Welcome to the home of the blessed people, and here is our host pastor, Pastor Dio Ademo. Resurrection Sunday. This Sunday all over the world our saints are celebrating the risen Lord. Let's just join saints all over the world. Let's join those in heaven above. Let's join the hosts of heaven and just worship him this morning. Let's just say thank you Jesus for your sacrifice. Thank you for what you did. Thank you because you thought of me above all. Thank you Father because you had me in mind when you were going to that cross. You had me in mind to save me, to deliver me from all that enemy has to offer. Thank you for saving me completely and totally. Thank you for delivering me from the power of darkness, from shame, guilt. Thank you, Father, for delivering me from sicknesses and diseases. Thank you, Lord God Almighty, for the ultimate price for sin and its destruction. King of glory, thank you for saving me, for saving my household, for saving my home, for saving, oh Lord, my brethren. I thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice on that cross of Calvary. Accept our thanks, accept our praise this morning. We just say thank you. Thank you because sickness has no more power over us. Diseases don't have power over us. Circumstances and situations don't have power over us. All power you gave to us to exercise over the enemy because of the price you paid once and for all in full on the cross. Thank you, Father. Once again, we bow. Once again, we adore. We magnify you today. Accept all our thanks. Accept all our praises. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed. And the people of God said, Amen. Come on, rejoice this morning because Jesus Christ is risen. He's alive. He's no more in the grave. And because he lives, you will live also in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, give your neighbor a high five wherever you are. I welcome people from all over the world. I see people from the western part of Africa on the line already. I see good friends from the United Kingdom. I see you from uh, the United States of America, Northern Alberta. I see everybody from all over the world. You are welcome in Jesus' mighty name. I want to say happy Easter, happy resurrection morning. God bless you wherever you are. Come on, put those winning hands together and celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. I'd love you to get your Bibles, your pens, your papers, and let's be seated in the presence of God this awesome morning as I bring God's word to you. I know your life will never be the same. You will be blessed in a mighty way. Welcome Royal House in your various locations, in Welland, in, in St. Catharines, in Fort Terry, in uh, Grimsby, in Beamsville, wherever you are, you are welcome this morning. And one thing I know is that your life will never be the same again. Let's quickly go into the word this morning and share a word of prayer together. Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for what you did on the cross of Calvary on our behalf. This morning, as we are going 
into the world, open us up for revelation, open us up for insight, open up for new things in the name of Jesus. Give us revelation this morning that will revolutionize our lives. And Father, Lord, we trust you that our lives will never be the same again. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. And amen and amen. God bless our music director. That was wonderful this morning. God bless you real good in Jesus' name. You are welcome once again to this Resurrection Sunday service. Indeed, Jesus Christ is risen. For a lot of folks out there, perhaps you were invited. Perhaps it's your first time coming online. Perhaps you don't even share the same faith as we do. But I want you to know this is a day all over the world where Christians, children of the Most High, those who have received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, celebrate what we call Easter, the risen Lord, the resurrection of our Lord, the day well over 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. This morning, I am bringing you a word Caption the power available because of his resurrection. The power available because of his resurrection. The power made available to humanity after he rose. The story of Easter is very important to every believer. We must know and understand the true meaning of Easter. The whole premise of Christianity is based on Easter. Easter, I want to say, especially to our children at home and especially to people who have bought in to other cultures and traditions, that Easter is not about bunny eggs. Easter is not about bunny. In fact, you will not find bunny in the Bible. It's not about bunny at all. It is a time, it's a period where the authenticity of our Christianity is defined. For the whole premise of our Christianity is based on, the, on Jesus being raised or rising from the dead. The proof of the fact that he's authentic is based on what took place in Easter. The genuity of our Messiah is based on him being raised from the dead. Remember he told people several times, in three days he will rise. And even when he was being buried, the, 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 the religious people of the day went to Pontius Pilate to take a whole garrison of God to guard his tomb, saying that the first error will be greater than the last, saying that, lo, we, he must not rise, because they knew that if he should rise from the dead, Everything he had said and done is true. So 1 Corinthians 15, 17 helps us to see a light of it. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 to 20. Many scholars today, have, till date, have argued that he did not rise from the dead. That the disciples came at night to steal him away. But the Bible makes us to understand that if Christ be not raised, then our faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. In other words, it says, we are of all men the most miserable. 
In another translation, it says, if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile. So that is why this is the most important period to Christianity. It's not just the birth. The birth of Christ is important. But it is the resurrection of Christ that is the pivot. That's the apoche of our Christianity. If Christ is not risen, our faith is futile. Acts chapter 17, verse 31. Acts 17, 31 helps us to see again that this is the proof of our Christianity. This is the authenticity of our Lord. He said, because he had appointed a day in the which he would judge the world in righteousness. And by that whom he had ordained, he would judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he had ordained. Whereof he had given assurance unto all men in that he had raised him from the dead. He had given assurance to all men that he had raised him from the dead. It's because of his resurrection that we know that our Savior is authentic. Praise God. Praise God. I want to take us further. On this story, you remember the story, I will just quickly summarize because I want to go into a strand of this message of resurrection that I don't think I've ever taught before in this church. I know I've, uh, I'm, I'm somebody very passionate about the resurrection of Christ. I, I have taught several times, especially people in Royal House will, will know this for a fact that I have taught on the resurrection several times in different strands of it, uh, the power of his resurrection and so on. But uh, I want to take a different strand today. Uh, you know, it was Thursday night about 2,000 years ago. What happened? He was praying in a garden called Gethsemane in Matthew 26, 36 to 56. Matthew 26, 36 to 26, 56. Uh, in verse 38 especially, it began to reveal the weight of the sin of the world that was the burden of that weight, the burden of the, the depression, the, the, the body of the weight of sin, the, the body of the uh, pain people were going through, and so on and so forth, was being placed upon Jesus. The burden of that was heavy. It was so sorrowful in verse 38 that he began to say that he was exceedingly sorrowful. The weight of the sin of the whole world was on him. The weight of the sickness of the whole world, the burden of that was upon him. He became exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. That time was coming where the separation was going to take place between him and his father because of the sin of the whole world. It was such a painful period, it cannot be described. Human words cannot describe it. It was such a painful journey that the Lord Jesus himself said, ah, if it were possible, if it were possible, if we can turn the hand, but he said, not my will, let yours be done. Anyway, 
following the journey. In verse 46, you know the story. He was going back to his disciples, one after the other, going back. Can't you wait for me? Can't you wait for me? The Bible says he will go back and continue to pray. He will, agony he was praying that the capillary in his body busted. Blood. The Bible says sweat was coming like blood out of him. That was the pain, the weight of the pain of the sin of the whole universe. Anyway, he was going, coming. The disciples were sleeping and snoring. And he said, no problem. Don't worry. You will bear your horse. And uh, eventually, in verse 46, he said, arise. Behold, the betrayer has done his job. Let us go. By the time we got to verse 49, he kissed Jesus Christ and the soldiers, the guards of the king, uh, of, of, of the religious order of the day, the chief priests, they came, arrested him, and took him away. You know, the betrayer was for 30 pieces of silver. Simon Peter quickly put, brought out his, uh, his uh, sword and caught the ear of one of the guards. Jesus Christ, at that point, was performing his last miracle. He put... Uh, he put the ear back there and he said, no, this kingdom is not going to be like that. And so on and so forth. Anyway, they took him to Pontius Pilate. And uh, three times they brought kangaroo witnesses. It did not work. <laughs> he still said, well, this thing, I still don't find fault in him. They took him to Herod that night, and from Herod he was returned back, even to Pontius Pilate again. The soldiers of Herod dealt with him brutally, and they plucked the beard from his cheek, and blood rushed out. Simon, and um, eventually they judged him. They said, crucify. He was on his road. Simon of Cyrene came to help, but he himself could not even carry the cross until the Lord breathed on him. He went to Calvary and went to the cross. So by 12 noon on Friday, he was already on the cross. This, if you remember, it all started Thursday night. Did a kangaroo court by Thursday night itself, I mean by Friday, Thursday night through Friday morning, overnight, they sentenced and everything in the morning, they did the final verdict, took him to the cross, and they nailed him by 12 noon on the cross. Anyway, by three o'clock, he finally gave up the ghost. He cried, it is finished, and died. Then, Joseph of Arimathea, one of his secret disciples, asked for the body. They put him in the tomb. And of course, they hired guards to come and guard it. By this time, hell was rejoicing. The disciples had scattered, ran for their dear lives. The resurrection morning, on Sunday like this, since so Friday afternoon, the pit of hell was rejoicing, celebrating that they have crucified the king of glory. They have crucified Jesus Christ, the Messiah. But on Sunday morning, they went to look for his body. But guess what? 
the angel has rolled away the stone, and Jesus is what? Is alive. This is what Easter is all about. What is the big deal about this story? What's the big deal about him dying? What's the big deal about he being buried? And so on and so forth. What is the implication? Critics of Christianity believe his disciples came to steal his body. But contrary to that, the, it's historical facts that in 13 various locations, Jesus Christ showed up, appeared before many. These are historical facts. Up until now, no one had ever claimed of dying and being raised from the dead. Buddha did not die and come back from the dead. Muhammad did not die and come back from the dead. No religious leader or center point has ever died and come back from the dead. Only Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead. That is why he's Lord. You see, as a Christian, you must be able to defend your faith. It's not enough to just celebrate Easter, shout about Easter, but you must know and understand the truth about Easter, especially the resurrection, with reasons. With reasons. Why should I believe in the resurrection? Why should I believe that he died and rose from the dead? Because of historical facts. Because it happened. Because it's real. I really want to focus more today on the implication of what his rising means and how we can apply the power that comes for him rising. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.8, if the princes of this world had understood it, if they had, they would never, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. You see, this was a hidden mystery. If they knew what would come out of them killing Jesus, because you see, Jesus was telling Pontius Pilate, because you see, when he was with the, with the Sanderine, when he was with the chief priest, Jesus didn't talk. Why? Why didn't he talk? Because it was a wrong court. It was a kangaroo court. It wasn't legitimate. He would not talk there. But when he got to the, <laughs> because Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia. I don't want to divert today. Praise God. But when he got to Pontius Pilate, and Pastor Pilate started asking him questions, he started returning to Pontius Pilate, saying that, look, this is a recognized court. We can talk now. And so when Pontius Pilate was arguing, I mean, was, was asking him questions and things like that, and he got to the point. Jesus told him that, look, it will not cost me anything to call for a legion of angels right now and set myself free. But the power that you have today is given to you by my Father in heaven. I have a job to do. Quickly do your own. Execute me so that I can go and do what I was born to do. Are you listening to me? It was after that 
Pontius Pilate ordered his execution that this time around, it was still unknown to the principalities and powers. What is the hidden secret? Because of a necessity, he must die before he can be resurrected. Are you listening to me? There is no de resurrection without death. That's why the death is also important. So when, he, when Pontius Pilate ordered his execution and he was going to die, listen to this, something came out of the resurrection that the whole prince of darkness, the host of Hades, did not know about. It's called the resurrection power. That's the power above every other power. Now, this power was not only to raise Jesus from the dead, this power was going to be made available to humanity. That is what put the devil upside down. That you mean these people, these saints, can now begin to order me left and right. Human beings now have power to chase me out. Not one, not two, not three, not four. Many of them can arrest me anytime and give me order to pack my baggages and leave. You know, in those days, the devil had a free hand. How many people on the surface of this earth had power over him? Not many. But look at us today. Billions of people all over the world now who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ have power to put the devil where he belongs. Look at what happened. Just 12 people in a very remote area. Roughly 2,000 years ago. Look at how we are capturing the world today. Why? Because the devil can be put under our feet. Let's quickly read together Ephesians 17, 21. Ephesians 1, 17 to 21. I want to quickly put this to you. Ephesians 1, 17 to 21. Turn your Bibles there quickly. Praise God. Look at this. And the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of his glory in the inheritance in the saints. Watch this, verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? What is the exceeding greatness of his power? To us what? Who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, exceeding greatness of his power towards those who believe according to the working of his mighty power. See how that mighty power came. Which he wrought. In who? In Christ. When he did what? Raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand in heavenly places. Look at all that, what that power did. That's why the Bible says, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, Romans 8, 11, it will quicken, it will vitalize, it will give life to your mortal body. Why is this power? This power had never manifested on this part of eternity before until when it came to raise Christ from the dead. 
to raise him from the dead. Not until now, no one has been raised back to life from dead. No. After three days, no. But Jesus Christ was the first begotten from the dead, according to scriptures. Jesus Christ died according to scriptures. He rose according to scriptures. Are you with me? Praise God. So what power? His mighty power. Where? When he raised Christ from the dead. We can see from here that this power of resurrection is designed for the saints to experience. And I speak over your life tonight, today, that you will have and you will experience the resurrection power in the name of Jesus. Philippians 3.10, that was why Paul was hungry. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. The statement I just read to you now was written by Paul. You can see how why Paul was pursuing passionately after the resurrection power. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Because the power that brought him back to life is the power above every other power. No power can be compared to the resurrection power. The Bible makes us to understand in Psalm 66 verse 3, he said because of the awesomeness of his power, his enemies submit themselves unto him. The awesomeness of his power, the ultimate power is the resurrection power. No power can be compared. There are many powers in the world, military power, economic power, financial power, and demonic power. There are powers in the world. But the resurrection power cannot be compared to any other power. This was the power that rose Jesus from the dead and is the power that's made available to humanity. Without Easter, there could be no resurrection power. How do I now connect to this resurrection power? Pastor, I've heard you. Easter is all about the resurrection power, but how do I connect to it? You said it's available for humanity. Listen to me. This power of revelation, we can see from scriptures that is, this power of resurrection, we can see from scriptures that it is through revelation that you contact it. In Ephesians 1.19, it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us that believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead? In verse 17, it said that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He said, when you have revelation in the knowledge of him, the first thing is that your eyes of understanding will be enlightened. That's Rema. The power of resurrection is gotten by revelation. That was why when Jesus rose from the dead, listen to me very well. When he rose from the dead, the first miracle he performed was opening of the eyes. His eyes of understanding being enlightened. Opening of the eyes was the first miracle. Luke chapter 31, verse 16 and verse 31. I trust you have been blessed today. Oh, my God. Some power is moving in this place. 
resurrected. He said, but their eyes were holding that they should not know him. This was when he appeared to people. He appeared to two guys and they were going. He said, their eyes were holding. They could not see him. But look at verse 31. Look at verse 31. Their eyes were holding. They could not see him. But look at it. By the time he got to 31, he had to do a miracle. Luke 24, 31. And their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Their eyes were open, and they knew him. Eye opening, eye opening. God will open your eyes. You will see stuff you have never seen before from this resurrection henceforth in the name of Jesus. Oh, yes. In other words, the first thing was the eye opening removed. So as to remove the veil. So as to access God. He opened their understanding. Go to verse 45. The same chapter, verse 45. You will see. The first thing is open the eyes. But look at, as eyes are open, there is a progression. It gets to your understanding. You understand. You see it, then it gets to understanding. Say, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. A new level of understanding is coming for you in this season in the name of Jesus. As you open scriptures, you begin to understand the Bible like never before in the name of Jesus. The first miracle from resurrection, what the resurrection power will do for you is the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. I see understanding come for you in the name of Jesus. I see your life go deeper in God in the name of Jesus. At crucifixion, the Bible makes us to understand that the veil was torn apart. So at resurrection, that was at crucifixion, the veil was torn. But at resurrection, access was given to enter. What was, what was blind to others now, you have access to see. I see you seek the deep things of God in the name of Jesus. Now, what is the implication of this power? What will this power do for you? Because resurrection power is a bit wild. I've taught a lot about this in times past. But I want to bring another strand of this teaching. Of what power? You see, because when Jesus rose from the dead, power was made available. But there is a power that I believe in the body of Christ, we talk about, but we haven't really thought about that power. Everybody pleads it, everybody sees it, everybody proclaims it, but has not been taught. Amen. To the degree I believe it should have been taught. Praise the Lord. Uh, it's about the blood. You see, on the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ was shed. And when that blood was shed, by the time Jesus Christ resurrected, 
that blood ceased to be ordinary. That blood, part of this resurrection power was transferred to that blood. Praise God. I'm sure you remember the garden of Gethsemane as he was shedding the blood. It was very prophetic. Every step he shed the blood. From the pulling of the beard to the last one when the Roman soldier pierced his side and blood and water came out from his side, from his lungs, obviously there were seven times it was shed. Very prophetic. Because in the book of Leviticus, in the day of atonement, the priest, when he's going to the Holy of Holies, will shed the blood seven times before he now begins to smear the blood on the altar. So every shedding of the blood was prophetic. Was prophetic. It was not ordinary. For your reference, I could quickly give you the reference because of our time. I'm rushing the message a little bit. The Garden of Gethsemane was the first one. The Bible says, as he was preaching, blood came out of his body as like sweat. That's the first one. Number two, in the house of the high priest, you remember they plucked his beard. Amen? Number three, uh, no, okay, that's uh, the house, house of the high priest. They struck him with an iron rod and blood came out. Number three, they pulled out his beard. Those were the soldiers or the, uh, the soldiers of Herod. Number four, Pontius Pilate. The Bible makes us to understand that he ordered a whipping. 39 stripes. You can remember the whip of the Romans in those days. It has bones, it has bottles and things like that intertwined within the whips. So the whip, so when the whip goes around the human being, it 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 it, it scourges round. And by the time the soldier is pulling the whip, it pulls the skin and the flesh of the individual. So blood was shed again. That's number four. Number five was the crown of thorns. You remember, they gave him a crown of thorns and they squished it. They pushed it on his head. And the Bible says blood oozed out. In Isaiah 52, the Bible says his visage could not be recognized. He was damaged beyond recognition. Human form. He, he took another form that was not human anymore. He was damaged, brutalized. Praise God. Number six, they nailed him to the cross. When nail entered his hand, blood was being shed. And number seven was when the soldier came to his side. Let's quickly see Leviticus 17, 11. Leviticus 17, 11. I'm sorry, I'm putting a speed on this message. The ceremony of the day of atonement. Let's quickly see that. Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. So, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. It is the blood, the life. The life. The life. It's in the blood. 
you see why the blood is so important to God. Because life is in it. Praise God. I said praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, he promised in Isaiah 53, verse 12. Let's quickly see that. Isaiah 53, 12. Let's see the promise. I'm trying to tie this power together by giving you a foundation, first of all. Therefore, will I divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he had poured out his soul unto death. He's talking about Jesus. And he was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the, for the transgressors. He's talking about Jesus here that he poured his soul unto death. You could see that in Gethsemane when he said, when he was talking about his soul was being heavy. He poured it on the dead willingly. Praise God. I said, praise God. So, 1 John, uh, and, and what, what do I want to say here? How now, how do, do we connect to this power? I'm talking about the blood, but where is the power from? Now, Revelations 12, 11 makes us understand something. Revelations 12, 11. Revelations 12, 11. Quickly. It says, and they overcame him. How? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. How was the devil overcome? He says, and they overcame him. Who are the day? Us, saints. We, are, we overcame him, the devil. By what means? By the blood. You see, that's why I'm introducing the power that is in the blood. That power in the blood, you can only overcome this blood here is the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb. You can only overcome by this blood, but this blood alone cannot do it if you don't do your part. Please listen attentively. This is a message that will change your life forever. Many people plead the blood, but they don't do their part. It's your part that will make it work. He said they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the words of their testimony. Without the words of your testimony, there is no overcoming. Listen attentively today by the power of God's spirit. And he added a part to it. He says, and they love their lives. And they love not their lives unto death. Listen, what he's saying there is that their priority was not being alive. Their priority was obedience to God. Until your life becomes a life that has set in priority. 
the will of God or obedience to God's word as priority, listen, those are the only sets of Christians that the devil is terrified of. Christians who are not afraid of death. But their number one priority is to please God. Their number one priority was to remain committed to God and God alone. Not, not staying alive. It's their commitment to God that is unshakable. Their commitment to God. Their, prior, their priority is clear. God is number one. God is first. It's not staying alive. If we stay alive, glory be to God. If we are not, <coughs> the priority is God. Thank you, Jesus. This is a defining moment for Christianity. Hallelujah. First John 2, 17. First John 2, 17. And the world passeth away, and the loss thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth, what? Forever. He that doeth the will of God abide. What does this mean to overcome? What does it mean to overcome? There is no monetary value that can be attached to this. We overcome Satan when we testify personally to what the word of God says. <laughs> when we testify personally to what the word of God says concerning us, that's how we overcome. When we testify personally, not, not, not oh, we are all testifying. No, that you yourself, you are testifying that this I believe. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, going to the power vested in the blood again. You remember when the blood of the Lamb was introduced? When Israel was coming out of Egypt? He offered protection. He said the protection will only be for those who are in the house. They should apply the blood on the lintel and on the doorpost. Lintel, doorpost. Making the sign of the cross. He said they should apply it. He said when the angel of death comes, when he sees the blood, he has no choice but to pass over. The blood of Jesus only avails for the obedient, not the disobedient. Praise God. But you see, when they slaughtered the lamb in those days, they had to put the blood of the lamb in the basin. When they put it in the basin, they would need to apply the blood from the basin to the doorpost. And the process in which they did that was that they had to get a very insignificant weed in Israel. All of a sudden, that weed became a very important thing. Hyssop is like a sponge. It's a weed that grows like a sponge. So now they had to dip the hyssop into the basin and apply it on their lintel and their doorpost. All of a sudden, hyssop, a very significant weed, what you call it, now became significant. 
And that was how they would apply the blood. Praise God. Upon the doorposts and lintel. And when the, when the angel of death came, he had no authority anymore when they had applied. Praise God. Amen. Now, how do we get the blood from the basin to our own lives? What blood are we talking about? Not the blood of lamb anymore. It's the blood of Jesus. How do we get it into our own lives? We get it by applying it. How do we apply it? We apply it through confession. What did I say? Confession. By confessing what the word of God says. He said we overcame by the blood. Yes, the blood is in the basin. But by the words of our testimony. That's how we apply the blood. Praise God. And that is why somebody like me, I'm big on you not saying negative confessions. Don't say negative things. Because Jesus, according to Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1, is the high priest of our confession. Amen? He's the high priest of our confession. He's the one that ratifies. He's the one that rubber stamps all our confessions. There are some negative confessions. People will say, oh, I can't wait. For example, we, have, we, are, we, have, uh, we, we are in the, in the season of lockdown now. So people will say, I can't wait to get out. That's a negative confession. You can't wait. You can't wait. You can't, please wait. You wait, then we can, we can come out. Say, I can't wait to get out. Oh, I am tickled to death. How, why do you want to die? Because you are tickled. So stop saying negative things. Watch your mouth. The Bible says we are condemned by the words of our mouth or we are justified by the words of our mouth. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I want to now take us further because all this came as a result of the resurrection. All this came as a result of Easter. Now, the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed Remember, during Easter, it's where, let's imagine it, that's the blood of the lamb. Where is the blood of the lamb according to Leviticus? It's in the basin. So we now have to apply Aesop, which is our confession, and bring it to our life. So I want to show you, in the word of God, seven powers that was released as a result of the blood. Every time you think of the blood of Jesus... Think of this power that is made available because of the resurrection that we are celebrating today. How many of them? Seven. The first one is redemption. Everybody say redemption in your homes. Redemption. Redemption. That's the first power it brings. This blood has power to redeem. Ephesians 1.7, Ephesians 1.7 Let's quickly do that. In whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his glory. So we have redemption through his blood. That was the precious, priceless, purchasing power and purchasing price of my soul. I have that redemption through the blood. So every time I think of Easter, think of the blood. There is redemption available for me. I was bought. I don't belong to the devil no more. My price was paid in full. It wasn't on a credit card. 
because we are not sure whether it will bounce or it will be okay. But look, it was paid in full. I have redemption through the blood. I am, I am saved by his blood. Hallelujah. First Peter 1, 18 and 19. First Peter 1, 8. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but from the vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish, without spot, nor wrinkle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 107 verse 2. Psalm 107 verse 2. He said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. What should the redeemer of the Lord say? Say so. Confess it. Say it. So say it after me. I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I was bought by the precious blood. I was bought in full. My price was paid in full. I belong to my Savior. I belong to my Redeemer. Praise God. So I am not for sale. I've been bought. Hallelujah. Number two, the second power it brings to you is the cleansing power. Everybody say cleansing power. First John chapter 1 verse 7. First John verse, chapter 1 verse 7. Say, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us. The cleansing power. That blood can cleanse. He can wash you as white as snow in the name of Jesus. In the original, it's written in the continuous present. If you are going to be cleansed, you must have fellowship. If you have fellowship, then you have light. Because the blood does not cleanse in the dark. It comes to the light and cleanses. Hallelujah. Please, I want you to understand this. Psalm 51. Let's quickly see Psalm 51 verse 7. You know, when David had committed adultery, then murder, he repented of his sin. Look at verse 7. He said, purge me with hyssop. Did you see hyssop again? He's applying the blood. And I shall be clean. When he's talking of hyssop, what is he really talking about? The blood. He said, purge me with hyssop and I will be clean. Praise God. So listen to me. There is nothing the enemy can put on you. There is nothing in your past that the enemy can put on you that is worth thinking about. You have been washed. You have been cleansed in the blood. If you have repented of it, you are cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I see the power of cleansing, cleansing you right now in the name of Jesus. Don't let the enemy haunt you with the things of yesterday or the bad things you did or something you did five years ago, seven years ago and the devil will be whispering to you, will be telling you, no, 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 a thousand times no. He said, your sins I will remember no more. Praise God. So you just check your walk. Make sure your walk is in line. Because he says, as you walk in in the light, you check your walk. Are you in the light? Are you walking in the light? Then that blood has no 
choice but to keep on cleansing you. Continuous presence. Every day, every hour is cleansing you. Once you are walking in the light. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. And many in the humanity today are in this condition. Condition of living in the guilt of yesterday. He said, and I, he said wash me and I will be clean. And he says it will be whiter than snow. While I walk in the light, take this confession with me. While I walk in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses me now and continually from all sins. From all sins. You can write it down and I'll say it again. While I walk in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses me now and continually from all sins. Number three. Number three is justification. Justification. Justification power in the blood. What is number one? Redemption power. What is number two? Cleansing power. What is number three? Justification power. The Greek word means, it's the basic Greek word for justification means to make righteous. To make righteous. Romans 5, Romans 5, 9. Romans 5, 9. Much more than being now justified by what means? By his blood. You see the power that is being released in this blood? All this happened after resurrection. It came to effect after resurrection. He said now, much more, by his blood, he will be saved from the wrath of him. How? Being justified when? Now, by his blood. Being justified now by his blood. It's not tomorrow, it's right now. He has justified you. Just as if you never sinned. It's like being in a court of law. You have been accused of something terrible. And the, and the judge says you have been acquitted. You have been acquitted. That means it's as if you did not do anything. But how did he acquit you? Because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I am just as if I never sinned. I have been made the righteousness of God by the righteousness of Christ. Our righteousness cannot and can never get us to heaven. No matter how pure, no matter how holy you claim to be, no matter how wrong you have been in your life, all that the Bible says is like filthy rags before God. Our righteousness appears amount to nothing before him. So that's why you need a savior. That's why you need a Christ in your life. That is why your righteousness is by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It is Jesus' righteousness that God looks at to justify you. Not what you've done and what you have not done. Praise God. Isaiah 61.10 says two things. Let's quickly read that. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he had clothed me with the garments of salvation. Did you see that? He had clothed you with the garment of salvation and had covered you 
with the robe of righteousness. Two things took place there. Salvation, he saved you and he has covered you. In other translation says, he has wrapped me round with the righteousness of Jesus. Praise God. He has wrapped you round. He has wrapped you round. I see you wrapped round in the name of Jesus. Totally covered with his righteousness. I am clothed with the righteousness of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, let's take that confession together because all the things I'm showing you is how to bring it from that basin and apply it to your life. Praise God. Through the blood of Jesus, I am justified. I'm acquitted. I've been made righteous. I am not guilty. Just as if I never sinned. Number four, sanctification. Sanctification. Sanctification power. The word sanctification means to make sanct. That is to make holy. The blood of Jesus has power to bring holiness to you. How? The sanctification is in two parts. It is separation from and separation unto. Separation from sin and separation unto God's holiness. Cle separation from sin means cleansing from sin and then separation unto God's holiness. Hebrews 12, 10 says, God, I mean, God, God, God does this different. Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 10. He makes us understand that through the blood of Jesus, we have become partakers of his holiness. When you apply that blood, you partake of his holiness. For they, verily for a few days, chasing us. He's talking about our natural parents when they come and, you know, they chasing us. They want to get us in line. Maybe we went out of line, they want to get us in line. So they chasing us after their own pleasure. But for our profit. They are doing it to help us that we might be partakers of his holiness. But you see, this is God. Our own parents do it for us to get in line. It can be for their own pleasure, but not him. But he, for our own profit. When a time God chases you, it's for your own profit so that ye might be partakers of his holiness. How? Through his blood. Through his blood. Praise the Lord. So through the blood of Jesus, let's take that. Through the blood of Jesus, I am sanctified, made holy, set apart to God, separate from sin, made with God's holiness. Made with God's holiness. Oh, I didn't show you the scripture. <laughs> I'm jumping a little bit. Hebrews 13, Hebrews 13, 12. That is where God brought his holiness into play by his blood. Hebrews 13, 12. See, wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. That he might sanctify his people with his own blood. Suffered without the gate. So his blood, there is power to sanctify. Praise God. And that is how you apply it. The confession is how you apply it. If you want the sanctification power, it's not that you go on one hill and say, sanctify me, sanctify me, santi, 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 santi. No, that's not it. Praise God. 
is by confession, is by faith, is by what he has done on your behalf. Can I hear a good amen there? Number five, life. Life. Life is in the blood. The power of life is in the blood. The power of life. In Leviticus 17, 11 says, for the life of the blood, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of God is in the blood of Jesus. Ha! Huh. I want to quickly say this. There is no human English or any language dictionary that can explain the depth of this. That you mean the life of the creator of the whole universe. The entity behind creation is in the blood of Christ. The very life of God is in that blood. One drop of that blood can wipe out the gates of hell. One, one, one pint, one drop of that blood. It's so powerful. Brethren, it's so powerful. What we are celebrating this Easter is so powerful. The blood of the Lamb. It is precious. The life of God itself is in that blood. If of a necessity that life, is, all life is in the flesh, I mean the life of every flesh is in the blood, then the life of God is in the blood. Our minds cannot comprehend this statement. This blood is too powerful, ladies and gentlemen. It's too powerful. The kingdom of Satan knows it. Had they known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Praise God. John 6, 53 to 57. Praise the Lord. Every time you see the scriptures, verily, 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 verily. Verily saying is important. But when you see verily, verily, you are saying, you are reading super important. This is one of the super important statements. He said, I say unto you, except ye eat of my flesh, of the son of man, and drink of his blood, ye have no life in you. Did you see that? Until you drink that blood, until you eat of the flesh. <laughs> Praise God. Well, I'm afraid this might be a stumbling block to some people. Say, ah, what are we eating? <laughs> Say, until you eat his flesh and drink his blood. Is that serious? That's why Jesus used very, very. You have no life in you. Praise God. So, how are we going to do it? In some church doctrines, they believe that eating of the blood and drinking of the bread is by sanctification. That is, uh, uh, proclamation that is a priest will have to bless it and that is how it can become it no I, I, I beg to disagree we eat the blood and we eat the flesh we eat the flesh and drink the blood by faith in Christ Jesus amen by faith praise the Lord because where there's no shedding of the blood, there's no remission of sins. 1 Corinthians 10, 16. Let's quickly see that. It's by faith. It's by faith. The cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion of the blood of Christ. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread in which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? It's referring 
to the bread and the wine we take. Symbolic or by faith? Hallelujah. By faith. So what does it do for us? What does it do for us? The life. Everybody say life. Life. Life in the blood. I'm jumping my notes, but I have to. Our time is fast spent. Number six. Number six. The intercession power. Intercessory power. There is power of intercession in the blood. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes when you can't pray or you don't feel like praying, the Bible says the blood of Jesus is praying for you. It prays. So your faith in that, you can apply it. Amen. Hebrews 12, 22 to 24. I believe that's the only scripture I read. Hebrews 12, 22 to 24. He said, but ye are come unto Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, to the church of the firstborn, which is written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and better things than that of Abel. This blood speaks. It has a voice. This blood intercedes. And there are three contracts that I want you to see there. The main, the main points of, three main points of this co contrast between the blood of Jesus and the blood of Abel. The blood of Jesus, the blood of Abel is against his will. It was shed against his will. But the blood of Jesus, he was willing to give his own blood. In fact, the Bible says he took his blood into the Holy of Holies himself. Number two, the second contrast is that his blood was shed on the earth. Hello? The blood of Abel was shed on the earth, but the blood of Jesus was entered the holiest of all. Number three, the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, the blood of Abel was crying for vengeance. But the blood of Jesus is crying for mercy. What a big contrast. When we can't pray, I want you to know his blood prays for you. You can take a hold of that blood. You can let that blood intercede for you. How? By confessing it. Listen. Thank, say it after me. Thank you, Lord. That even when I cannot pray, the blood of Jesus is pleading for me in heaven. Now, I'm not saying that is now a license for you to substitute your prayer every day with the blood of Jesus is praying for you in heaven. And you don't pray at all. No, that's not the plan of God for your life. Praise God. You must pray at all times. But there are times in one's life that uh, maybe events are overtaken or you can't even explain what is going on. Begin to plead that blood. Hallelujah. Begin to plead that blood. Begin to plead that blood in the name of Jesus. And it begins to speak for you. Number seven and the final one, we have access through the blood. Access through the blood. The power of access. The power of access. Accessory power. 
in the blood. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 10, 19. Hebrews 10, 19. Hebrews 10, 19. He says, Hebrews 10, 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Did you see that again? See that again in the scriptures? Plainly, that the blood of Jesus gives you what? It gives you access. You have confidence to enter. By the new and living way, you have access. You have confidence. Please, let's go to verse 23. Verse 23. Verse 23. He said, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. We must hold fast to all these things. Hold fast to it. By the blood of Jesus, I have access. By the blood of Jesus, I am cleansed. By the blood of Jesus, there is intercessory power. We must hold fast to all our confession. Confession is what brings that blood from the basin and applies it to our lives. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 3.1. I want to show you a pattern and I'm going to conclude with this pattern. Hebrews 3.1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly, uh, heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession or confession, Jesus Christ. That's our high priest of confession. So Hebrews 3, 1 talks of confession. Hebrews 4, 14. Let's quickly see that. See then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Now, listen. Hebrews 3.1, confession. Hebrews 4.14, hold fast to your confession. Now, Hebrews 10.23. Hebrews 10.23. See it again. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. Look at it. Number one, Hebrews 3.1, confession. Hebrews 4.14, hold fast to your confession. Hebrews 10.23, hold fast to your confession without wavering. What is that suggesting to you? There will be battle. That's what he's telling you. There will be battle. So that's why these seven powers don't say, I pleaded the blood of Jesus yesterday. Mm -mm, that was yesterday. He said, hold fast without wavering. Without wavering. You must keep on keeping on in applying the blood, the power vested in the blood upon your life, upon your children, upon your family, upon your business, upon your finances, keep on speaking it. Keep on saying it. Keep on saying it because you have a high priest over your confession. Everything you say is what is going to bring this to pass. It has been done legally. You have to bring it to your life vitally. I'm sure you have seen another strand Another dimension of the power of his resurrection, the power vested in the blood. Have you been blessed today?
I'm sure you have been blessed. Let's just take this confession together. Thank you, Lord, that through the sprinkled blood of Jesus, I have access to your presence, to the most holy place, to the most valuable place, to the most holiest place in the universe. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I'm sure you have been tremendously blessed. Let us stand wherever we are. Wave those hands to heaven and thank him for he has risen for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed by the word today. Please join our services live every Sunday, 9 a.m and 10.45 a.m. and Bible study every Friday, 7 p.m. at 95 Church Street, St. Catharines. We hope you have a wonderful week ahead and God bless you.